It's an honor and a privilege to be here tonight. I will tell you, it is no small thing for a true shepherd to open up his pulpit. And that is not something that I take lightly. And I honor our pastor, and I honor his wife, and I honor the board and everybody at this church who allow God to move the way he does in this house. I give him honor and glory because he chose me. I would have never chose me, but he did. And because he did, it becomes his battle. It becomes his anointing. It becomes his life that now flows freely through me. I thank the Lord that he is, he is God and he has a sense of humor. This morning, Pastor David, I can tell you that what I am ministering tonight, our pastors have not seen and they do not know what I am ministering on. I can speak that honestly to you. I can tell you that I have the notes from Pastor Jared's sermon in my book right now that he preached this morning. I wrote them out yesterday. The Holy Ghost downloaded them through my brain. And Pastor David got to experience that today as I kept pointing to him the words that Pastor Jared was speaking that were already in my notes. And God's good like that because that's who he is. Because if I would have... Anyway, when I got to the car, I told Chris, I said... uh, Did any of what he said mean something unique to you or different? And he just looked at me and said, no. And then he turned purple and he said, yes, darling, I know he preached your message. And then he corrected me because it's not my message, it's God's message, right? But he said, now what are you going to do? Because God's brought you to a place that the pastor preached the message he gave you yesterday. So what are you going to do today? And you better know what I did today. I sought God. (laughs) That's what I've been doing this afternoon. And I'm not, I have liberty to say this. I believe this is the first prophetic word that the Holy Ghost has ever given me to minister. And it is for this church body. And it is no coincidence that it is the last Sunday night service of this year. If you're a note taker, take some notes because the Holy Ghost gave them to me. I have two separate books of notes. Half of his message this morning, half of what God gave me today. So we're not going to Eliab, thank God. So if I had a title for this word, it would be Give Us Eyes to See. And I'm going to start off by teaching, and then we're going to move on to, to to the word of God. So if you understand anything, 2020, 2020 has been said repeatedly that it is the year of vision, right? We heard that this time last year as people were bringing 2020 into place. How many of you can honestly say, I cannot wait till it changes to 2020, hindsight is 2020. Are y'all ready for 2020 to be hindsight? Amen. That is where we are tonight. But the meaning of hindsight being 2020 is that when you look back, your vision is made clear. When we look back to this last year, our vision, the vision of God has been made clear. And if there's been one thing that 2020 has taught us is that we got to have vision. We have got to have eyes that see in the spirit and not in the natural. And for us to recover all, right, for us to to renew everything and get everything we're supposed to not leave anything undone in 2021, we have got to have vision to see in the spirit and not the natural. 
And that's what God has led me to discuss today. How do I do that? Many of you sitting in this room are brand new Christians. And you say, how do I look in the spirit and not the natural? How do I do that? So I'm going to lay that out for you really quick. How do I go through life looking at things in the spirit and not the natural? This can be very confusing if you don't understand the foundational principle of who we are as humans. Okay, so let's talk about that quickly. Each of us are spiritual beings. Okay, you get that. We are spiritual beings. We are immortals. Okay, our body is going to go back to dirt, right? Unless we live enough for the rapture. I believe I'm still going to be alive when the rapture takes place. I believe that. Prophetically speaking, in the word of God, I believe I'm the generation that he is going to return in my lifetime. I believe that, okay? However, if he chooses to make my rapture tomorrow and call me home, my body is going to go back to the ground, right? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our soul, your soul, poor Asher, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay? You understand that, right? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The power by which the human being feels, thinks, and decides. That's why you have an enemy of your soul. That's why Jesus is the restorer of our soul. That's why you can get bogged down with soul ties, right? You can align yourself with things in Christ and things out of Christ that you have to get delivered from, right, to set your soul free, your mind, your will, and your emotions. David and Jonathan had a soul tie. They had a bond, a friendship together, right? Some of you have a soul tie with objects, with jobs, with things like that that you have to be set free from. So you understand what a soul tie is, right? What your soul is. It is your mind, your will, and your emotion. We are given a free will to choose. And then we have a spirit. The spirit. There is a spirit that dwells within you. You were born with the spirit of flesh. You were born with the spirit of the Antichrist. Don't shoot me down. It is truth. You were born into sin. And the only hope that you have to recover from that is to receive the spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit of God. Once you're saved, you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, Jesus, begins to live within you. And he redeems you from the curse of everything you were bound to prior to receiving him as your Lord and Savior, okay? Galatians 4, 6, And because you are sons... God hath sent forth the Spirit, capital S, of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. That scripture establishes your new identity in Christ. Okay? But Galatians 5, 16, and 17. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, capital S, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other. So you see this war, this tug of war. I broke it down for you to understand. Okay, When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the spirit of God comes and dwells within you. That spirit man knows no sin. 
He has never seen sin. He has never experienced sin on his own. When Christ Jesus dwells within you, he is sinless. The righteousness of Christ now dwells within you. That is your spirit man. But you still have a mind, a will, and emotions that have to be dealt with. That's why you can be saved for 50 years, but your soul still be in bondage because you were abused as a child because life did some things to you against your own will, but you have never brought those things to the cross. Does that make sense? You are in a warfare. It doesn't mean you're not saved. Many of you sit in here today and you think that you are lost because you still battle things in the flesh. No, no, you don't. But that soul man, that mind, that will, that emotions, all of that has to be what? Crucified. I do what? Mortify. I do crucify the deeds of my flesh, right? We can cast out a demon. Let's just get God honest. By the name of Jesus Christ, you can cast out a demon. But you can't cast out flesh. The Holy Ghost has told me many times I've been up here praying for somebody, and they said, you could turn as blue as Tanner's shirt praying for them. That's not a demon. That is their flesh. You have to crucify your flesh. That is the difference that we're talking about today, this internal struggle, this spirit that is in control of your life. Our spirit, little s, our soul, mind, will, emotions are led by, they're controlled by either the spirit of flesh, which is you, that can lead to bondages and all kind of stuff, strongholds, or led by the spirit of God. That makes sense, right? Foundational truth. When we receive Christ, his spirit within us is perfect, but our flesh has to be dealt with. Now let's go a little further. Now we understand the warfare of our own lives. Okay, let's look at it at the next level. If I'm a spiritual being and I'm at war and I'm a human, look at your neighbor and say, you're human too. And that means if I'm struggling to beat down my flesh every day and I have a warfare within me, a battle of this spiritual thing, that means... You do too, Mike. And you do too, Dom. And you do too, Miss Janice. Right? Russell does too in the very back. We see that. We know that, right? So I want you to just, we're taking this slow at the beginning, okay? I want you to look at somebody in this room and I want you to tell them out loud, don't take it personal. Now I want you to call your name out loud and close your eyes, call your name out loud just like I'm about to do and say, whatever your name is, Stacy, don't take it personal. Now say it again like you mean it. We have got to comprehend this. This is the prophetic word God has given me for this body. No wonder Ephesians 6.12 makes it clear. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. My battle is not against you. 
My battle is against the spirit behind your actions. Your actions are just a fruit of the root of the spirit that controls you. You must have eyes to see past the fruit to see the root. Jesus set the example for all of us. The first example he set was the woman at the well. She was thirsty. And in the natural, you would look at her and say, she deserved what she got. She made her bed and she's laying in it. She needed to be the one having to come at lunchtime to get that water. Right? She had done it herself. But Jesus didn't look at the natural. Jesus immediately spoke to the root. He said, where's your husband? She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you, you speak well. You speak truth. You have no husband. You've been married five times, and now you're living with a man that's not your husband. You see, he spoke directly to her heart. Her heart was, I'm desperate to be loved. I am so desperate to be loved that I'll settle for any man who will get in bed with me. And when they leave me, I just find another. That's her heart. That's the root of her problem. The fruit was all the men in and out of her house. The fruit was I'm ostracized myself. I'm not getting away around them. They look at me different. They treat me different. That's just fruit. That's just, that's just fruit. The root was she was lonely. She wanted to be loved. She was desperate for attention that she would seek it in all the wrong places because she was empty. And Jesus looked at her and said, If you only knew who I was, you would drink of this water, this living water, and you would never thirst again. What he was telling her was, Until you receive of me, and you allow me to feel that emptiness inside of you, you were always going to be hungry. He didn't deal with her about her adultery. He didn't deal with her about her fornication. He didn't deal with her about her isolation. So many times we try to deal with people about their fruit when there's a root behind it that must be dealt with or the fruit will continue to be produced. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. He said, what must I do to be saved? We all know this. Jesus told him what to do. Follow all these things. He's checkboxing, checkboxing. I got it. I'm good. I got it. And Jesus said, go sell all that you have. Give it away. Sell it all. Come and follow me. And what did he do? He walked away sad. Because that religious spirit was just fruit. <laughs> but his root was, I love money. I love possessions. See, the check, many of you just check boxes. You put on a show so you can check the boxes. And, and you want to look good and you want to do good and you want to follow the law and you want to cross every T and dot every I and you want to be just what you look to be perfect around everybody else. But on the inside, you've got a lust problem. You've got a craving for something greater than God. That he's put his finger on and he said, get rid of it and follow me. And you're like, oh, I'll just walk away sad. <laughs> I can't deal with that. He dealt with the root of the problem. That's great. That's Jesus. That is Jesus being Jesus, right? Do you expect anything less of Jesus? No. We don't. 
We expect Jesus to be that way. Why is it so important for me to be this way? Why is it necessary for me? Well, honey, I'm glad you asked. Anybody know where we are in the prophetic calendar? I'm fixing to tell you. Matthew 24. I've got to put my glasses on. 8 through 13 tells you exactly where we are in the prophetic calendar. All these are the beginning of sorrows. We've heard this this whole year, right? We get that. That's where we are. This is Jesus speaking. It's in red. It's important. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. That's what's coming next. If you want to know what's coming next on the, next on the prophetic calendar, there you go. And then shall many be what? Offended. And shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Offense comes first, then betrayal, and then hatred. We're fixing to go there. We're fixing to go there. We're going to study this out. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. So I want you to understand the necessity that the only way I am going to be able to endure to the end is not to give in to hatred, which means I can't betray, which means I can't be offended. And the only way that I cannot fall into this offense is if I have eyes to see past the natural into the spirit. Because if not, I'm going to get so distracted, I'm going to make it a war against me and you, Chris. Because that word offense, I want you to look. Oh, no, never mind. We're going to do that in a minute. Offense, that, that word offended means to put a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip or fall. To entice to sin. To cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. To cause to fall away, to see in another what I disapprove of and what hinders me from acknowledging his authority. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But the majority of us in here today are either sitting here right now in offense or we are offending someone. And I want you to look at somebody and say, at some point I'm going to be offended. And I want you now to look at somebody else and say, at some point, I am going to be the offender. We need to understand this, okay? All right, we got to get this. This ain't even, this, this is just lining up. Now, how do I offend somebody or how do I handle offense? Now we're finally getting to the message. Turn to Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to learn about the first conflict, the first human to ever have another human offend them. Spirit of Cain. All right. Genesis chapter 4. Let's look at this in the natural. It says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. 
And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And we know the rest of the story. So let's talk about this. We're going to break this down, okay? Because I believe this is where we are. Cain became angry with God because God received Abel's offering and not his. Now, before you get all mad and you start jumping on Cain, we're going to talk about this for a minute, okay? That's before you start beating him up, the word tells us Cain was what? The firstborn son, and he was the what? Tiller of the ground. This is important. What did God tell Adam to be? <laughs> Tiller of the ground. He was the firstborn son. He was doing exactly what his dad was called to do. He inherited that position as the firstborn son. Was being a tiller of the ground wrong? No, he was fulfilling exactly what God told them to do, right? It was his identity. It became who he was. He was a farmer. And there is nothing wrong with that, is there? There is nothing wrong with that at all. He dealt with thorns. He dealt with thistles because that ground had been cursed. He worked by the sweat of his brow every day. He worked and he worked and he worked. And he did everything he could to make crops grow. That was it. That was what he was doing. And he was so proud when that cabbage came up. And he was so excited when them turnips took root. And he was just as elated as he can be when he produced fruit from the ground in spite of all those thorns and all those thistles and everything else. He was doing a good job. And his identity was a farmer, a tiller of the ground. So can you imagine how upset he was when God did not accept the best he could do? Can you imagine? God, I'm working. I'm doing what you assigned my daddy to do. I'm doing. I am obedient. I am tilling this ground. I am picking up the weeds. I am cutting back everything. I'm making sure there's no insects. I am working my fingers to the bone. I'm sweating. I'm miserable. And I bring you the best I can do. And you tell me it's not good enough. I'm offended. Why is what I do not good enough? How I many of you feel that way in here? I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm working. I'm doing it, God. I'm doing exactly what you told me to do, exactly by the example set before me. I'm doing everything, God. It's all I know. I'm a tiller of the ground. It is all I know. And it's not good enough? You reject me too? It's not enough? What else is there? I know. God, I don't know anything else. Yeah, I watched my, my mom and daddy. I saw them do all these things. But working with the ground is all I know. It's who I am. And I, I got the fruit. God, if you only knew how hard it was for me to produce that fruit. If you only knew how hard I've worked 
to produce this fruit and I give it to you and it's not enough? I work and I work and I work and it's not enough. That's all he heard. If you do well, that's all he heard. That's it. He heard the first words. If you do well, that's it. He didn't get past that. If I do, if, what does he want? Twelve of me? I'm doing it all. I'm doing everything I can if I get up before dawn. I go to bed before dark. I don't even have lunch. I am working, God. You curse the ground, God, and I made fruit come out of it. And you're daring to tell me that it's not enough? I'm the firstborn. I'm not enough. Let me just go talk with Abel. You ever been there? You ever been there? He went to Abel. Now listen, I want you to understand something tonight. I want you to understand, I want you to ask yourself, am I in offense or am I offending somebody? Because there's a pattern here that when you are offended, there are certain things you're going to do. We have to guard against this in the new year for this church to move forward. I feel this so strong. I feel this so strong. Cain was like, I'm doing everything I know to do. What more is there? He accepted Abel's. So he went and he talked to Abel. Abel is what? What's it say Abel is? Keeper of the sheep. He's the keeper of the sheep. Now listen. Before I get to the meat of this, I want to talk to you about this. I can imagine Cain going to Abel and Abel saying, Dude, don't you know? Mom and Dad, Dad tried to get something from the ground too. He tried to use fig leaves and all that did was bring shame. When Dad tried to use the fruit of the ground, all it does was make them hide. Don't you remember? Jesus or God himself had to... Had to slay the, the lamb. He had to kill the animal. He had to do a blood sacrifice. Don't you remember? Dude, that's what you got to do. And I can imagine Cain looking at him and just getting more and more angry. And he's getting furious with him like, I don't know how. I'm doing everything I know to do. I didn't have time to listen to mama and daddy. I was tilling the field. I didn't have time to watch you, little brother, deal with them lambs. I was tilling the ground. It's hard. Anytime you're in the flesh, it is hard. Anytime you are working for yourself, it is hard. Anytime you are trying to produce an offering to God that does not include the blood, it is hard. And you wind up resenting those around you. The word of God says that he got so mad. I don't care that dad messed up. I don't care that mama messed up. I've been doing the best I can. I'm doing everything that I know to do. But I can imagine Abel saying the first offering had to be made. It was a blood sacrifice. Remember? The fruit of the ground brought the curse. The blood of the lamb brought forgiveness. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Brother, your identity in the natural is a farmer, but your identity in the spiritual has to have the blood. Amen. It has to have the blood. Remember that war? 
I can see Cain getting more and more and more upset. Let's bring it down to where we are today. He killed his brother. He killed the keeper of the sheep. Let's talk about it. He's offended. And now he becomes the offender. Okay? He's offended because of the example Abel led that he didn't feel like he could live up to. Okay? Let's, let's, let's get there. So what happens? John 3.15 says in the New Testament, because we're all in here going, shoo, whoo, that ain't me. Thank God I'm not killing nobody. 1 John 3.15 says, Whosoever hated his brother is a murderer. Whoever hated his brother is a murderer. Matthew 5, 20 through 22. Let's talk about this. Now, we're excluding Russell and Brandy right now because this is their love language. But everybody else in Matthew chapter 5, verses 20 through 22 it says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter in the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, which means idiot, her fool, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool, which is you big dummy, shall be in danger of hell fire. So let's look at this and let's see. To be angry describes a passion that is furious and raging with a desire for revenge. It is so intense that it will terminate by attempting to kill. You angry at somebody? Raka means empty head, senseless, a term of reproach used among the Jews in the time of Christ. Thou fool means dull, stupid, as if you're telling them to shut up. Absurd, foolish. Do we have any New Testament Cain's in the house? Cain committed physical murder on Abel. What was Abel's title? What's the keeper of the sheep? Let's break it down. This is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's my under shepherd. Cain, when I get mad at my shepherd, because he's preaching the word of God. Or heaven help the spirit of prophecy get on him and he read my mail. And it's something that I don't think that I can live up to. Or let's just call him an idiot. Let's just call him a fool. Let's just say he don't know what he's talking about. Let's just say, I don't believe in what he's doing. Let's just say, I don't like how he's handling that cane. Let's just say, I don't agree with what he's doing. Let's just say, Cain. How many of us sit in this room tonight who wonder why 
we're in the condition we're in when the whole time we've killed Abel and his blood is still crying out from the ground. Because Cain got into a situation that he told God, it's too much for me to handle. God said, I hear the blood of Abel crying out to me from the ground. You murdered him. You made fun of him. You put him down. You talked about him. You came against him. And every time you do that, you find fault. I'm talking about a little thing. I don't like how he handled that. All right, Cain, you go right ahead. Where's that blood? It's just me crying out from the ground. And until you find atonement from it, you're going to be exactly the way Cain was. It's too much. It's too great a burden to bear. It's more than I can handle. I'm hated by all men. Why? Cain, you killed Abel. Cain, you talk bad about Abel. Cain, you got offended because of something the Holy Ghost poured through him in the pulpit. And instead of repenting and dealing with it, you got mad at him. We have got to get to the place that we comprehend and we understand Abel is being obedient to God. Abel's got to offer up a sacrifice just like Cain does. But that shepherd is the only one who knows how to bring you to the place that you know how to handle the lamb. And if you kill Abel, who's going to teach you how to make the sacrifice? Who's going to teach you how to deal with the lamb? Because what Cain did, Cain looked at Abel and he got so mad and he got so angry that he killed him. We kill with our words the very people who know how to help us. Abel was the only shepherd. Abel was the only keeper of the sheep. Abel was the only one who knew how to prepare the sacrifice. Abel was the only one that knew how to get to the place of atonement. And Cain killed him. Now I'm not saying this man is your God. God is God. But as our shepherd, as our shepherd, he is ministering to us every service the way that we offer our bodies a living sacrifice. Jesus is the only way, the only door, the only life, the only truth. But he assigned this man to be the one that teaches us what to do. But Abel, the shepherd, can't do anything when you're murdering him, when you've killed him. When all his blood is crying out from the ground, he wants to help you. But instead, you hate him. You've rebelled against him. I don't like that vision. Well, find a church that you do. Because meanwhile, we're having to pick up the pieces and figure out how to get the blood from quitting crying out from the ground. Because you're killing him when the rest of us are ready to move forward. You can sit down, Pastor. Because there will come a time. I can hear Abel, I can just hear God saying, there's going to come a time, Cain, that I need a grain offering. There's going to come a time that I need a grain offering. I need the works you can produce from the field. I need a grain offering. 
But there's got to be a sin offering first. There has got to be a blood atonement of sin before you get to the grain offering. Because that grain offering, my husband can tell you a lot more than I can. That grain offering is when you rejoice, when you praise God for what he's already done. There'll come a time, Cain, that we need your works. There'll come a time that I need what you're working so hard to produce. There'll come a time that I'll praise God for how hard you've worked and the sweat you've produced and the thorns and the thistles you've worked through. All of that's great, Cain, but it ain't about you, Cain. It is about the blood sacrifice. It is about the atonement of Christ Jesus. It's about the lamb and the way to the lamb is through the shepherd but we can't get there if we're murdering him we can't get there if we are tearing each other apart with our words shepherd of the prison 1500 associate pastor shepherd of the flock I don't know 500 if they'd all show up Lead shepherd of the flock, 500. Shepherd of the jail ministry, countless. Shepherd of the drums. Shepherd of somebody. Shepherd, shepherd, shepherd. We're all a shepherd. Shepherd, 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 shepherd. You've all got some sheep. That you're leading somewhere. You are all a shepherd of something. You are all an able to somebody. But you can certainly be a cane if you want to. If we do not stop devouring each other. We are going to be offended. And offense leads to betrayal. And betrayal leads to what? Hatred, and it ends in murder, and it ends in coldness. Yes. So if I give in to the Spirit, you know what that means? That means when somebody does something wrong, I better make it right. Because that's what this word says. Let's keep reading this. Ain't God good. Matthew 20. Matthew 5, 22. 23, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remembereth that thy brother have ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar. Thy gift is your prayer. And go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly. Okay, it tells you, um, while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison... You ever been in prison, in bondage because of unforgiveness? Because of the spirit of offense? That's what he's talking about. The Word of God, the, the Holy Ghost said it the other week, twice. If you have alt against somebody, I did a checklist since I was in kindergarten. I do it all the time. Every time the pastor calls me to the office, I repent of everything since I was five years old. You know, I'm terrified of whatever else. You know, show me, God. But you make it right. The Word of God says if somebody else has ought against you, go to them. I don't know why she don't like me. I love her. I'm nice to her. I'm good to her. I don't know why she don't like me. I've never done anything to her, but that is her problem and not mine. 
That's not word. And this church has got to grow up and get past that. Or we are only going to divide into a spirit of offense. Because I promise you when I go to her and say, Carrie, why don't you like me? She's going to say, Stacey, I love you. What are you what's your problem? And I'm going to say, really? And we're going to make it right. Now, once I go to her, if she don't forgive me, that's between her and God. I'm released. But at least, praise God, release has taken place. If I have ought against somebody, there is nobody in this world worth me going to hell over. Who's worth you going to hell over? They must be some people worth you going to hell over because the Word of God says that if you don't forgive them, you are not going to have forgiveness from Jesus. But he molested me. Forgive him anyway. But he abused me. Forgive him anyway. Because forgiveness does not condone the behavior and forgiveness does not remove the punishment forgiveness releases you from the bondage so many of you today are holding on to something somebody did to you in the eighth grade and you're 58 And then you're mad and you're upset and you're wondering why life is too hard. It's because the blood of Abel is still crying out. Cain, what are you doing? Cain, seriously? Because the end result of Cain, I don't know if y'all have ever read the rest of that, but he is separated from the presence of God. And he's marked for life, which meant he probably begged for death a few times. But nobody could kill him. He had to live with what he did. Cain, what are you doing? The reality is, if you look in the natural, and that's all we've done tonight with Cain, is we've looked in the natural, but let's look at him in the spirit. Remember when I started this and I told you that he said, if you do well, right? Is that the end of the sentence? The end of it was, shalt thou not be accepted? God spoke to his heart. He spoke to his heart. Cain, I know that the only thing you want is to be accepted. I get it. Baby boy, I know how hard you work. I get it. I know that you toil and you, and you work your fingers to the bone and you do all the things that I've called you to do. I know. I know, Cain. I know. I want you to be accepted. And I want you to be accepted so much that I'm telling you, if you'll do well, and I've given you the provision to do it. You saw, you saw the shepherd. He knows the way. He'll lead you to the sacrifice. If you're in here tonight and you're like, you know what? I grew up in church my whole life, but I don't know how to find Jesus. Come to him. He'll lead you there. If you say, I'm in offense, I'm an offender, find you a shepherd. They'll lead the way. God is telling him, listen, son, 
I see you. I see the work you're doing. I see how hard you're trying. I see that you feel like you're doing the best you can, and yet you don't go anywhere. And the best you have to give is still not enough. I've shown you. I've shown you everything you need to know. I know, I know you're different than him. I get it. You're supposed to be. Thank God there's not 500 Stacys. Jesus, help us. Thank God there's differences. Cain, you're not supposed to be like Abel. This has nothing to do with him. Nothing. This has to do with me and you. And the only way that I can get you to be accepted is to come through the blood. That's it. So many of you are working as hard as you can, but you cannot go anywhere. And it's solely because your works will never be enough. And then you get mad at something so easy as killing an animal. It can't be that easy. It cannot be that easy. He's not sweated. He's not toiled. He's not faced the thorns and the thistles. He's not done any of that. And you accept him over me? Look at my calloused hands. Look at my dirty feet. Look at my clothes that are nasty. And he smells like sheep. He's got soft hands. He just, he just picked one up. His firstlings, his best, and he brought it to you. It can't be that easy. Some of you are so bound. You're trying to make this thing so much harder than it is. You're trying so hard. You, you got calluses. You got spiritual calluses. You're working so hard, and you're so mad at the little ones who bring the lamb, and they're accepted, and they're received, and they're used, and they're anointed, and they're chosen, and you're in the back, you're hurt, you're sore, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're sweaty. And what you can do still ain't good enough. And you're bitter. And you're angry. And you're mad. And you're offended. And you find fault. You know why? You, you know how you can first tell if you're a Cain? If you're finding fault in the Abels. You know how you're hanging out with a Cain? They're finding fault in the Abels. It is that simple. The blood is the only answer. The sacrifice is Jesus. I'm closing. Cain told him my punishment was too hard. The blood of Abel still cries out. Every time you murder Abel, who's the shepherd, with your words, their blood cries out from the ground. It's too much. No, no. It's just the beginning. That blood will cry out until atonement is made. That blood will cry out till atonement is made. I asked Isaiah to post something for me, and whoever's playing can play. 
But I want to tell you something as I'm closing. And don't get distracted by anything that's going on. God didn't give me this this afternoon for no reason. He never does. He's faithful. And he told me not to preach. He told me to slow down and teach. And I love it when he does that. But I want to talk to you about something that's, that's important. Okay. Go to Genesis chapter 4. And don't shoot me down. Listen to me when I get through with all this. Genesis chapter 4. Let's read it. Verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. That's all he wanted was to be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Remember at the beginning I talked to you about seeing things in the spirit and not the natural. If you look at what people say in the natural, you will be offended. But if you'll look behind that fruit to the root, there's a root of hurt in that person or they would never be lashing out that way. There's a root of emptiness. There's a root of abandonment. There's a root of something deep within them that causes them to act out the way they do. That's the only way you can love your enemies. That's the only way you can pray for them who despise you and who curse you is you got to see past the natural into the spirit and you got to understand and comprehend it's not about you. Quit taking it personal. The Jesus in you and the hell in them will never mix. And wherever you walk, you take Jesus. And I walk among a pit of vipers a lot of times. And I hear the hissing. And I know the backbiting. But it's a spirit controlling them. But they got a soul that deserves to be loved. And if I can look past the fruit and see that soul that's hurt, that's broken, that's empty, that's lonely, that is desperate to be accepted. Cain, I'll love you to Jesus. And I don't care how bad you make fun of me or how much you talk about me. Because every one of you can understand that man right there. Our under-shepherd of this church loves you even though he knows what you say about him. There's a spirit behind the spirit. God says, if, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? But even if you don't, sin life at the door. And I know we preach this all the time, and I'm 100% agreeing, and I get it. Sin crouches behind that door, and it's going to overtake you, and it's going to rule you. That's, that's flesh, right? And it's going to lead you down a bondage that you can't be set free of but God. But I want you to look at something else. That's the concordance for that word sin. Can you scroll down? Sin, sinful. Sin, what's next? What kind of offering? Can't even if you mess up. Even if you murder. There's a sin offering at the door. It's waiting on you. There is a sin offering at the door. Cain, you talk bad about him. 
You've murdered him. You've murdered her. You've talked bad about God's anointing and God help you. But if you'll just come back to that door. There's a door. I am the door. I am Jesus. And I provided a sin offering at the door. I shed my blood for you. And if you'll just come back to the door, Cain, there is a sin offering waiting for you. That atonement can be made. Because I knew you before I formed you. I knew you when I created you. I knew the spirit within you. I knew the flesh that would control you. I knew the desire to be accepted. I knew. I knew, God said, I knew. So I provided a way of escape. If you'll just come back to the door. If you'll come back. But I don't know how. I don't know how to get back to the door. Come get a shepherd. The shepherd knows the way to the door. The shepherd knows exactly how to get to the door. He lives there. He lays his life down for the sheep every day. He's right there. Why are you killing the one that can take you to the place of atonement? Why are you murdering the very ones that God has set in place to lead you to the only hope that you have? You don't have to end up like Cain, separated, hated, lonely, miserable, empty. There's hope. There's hope. There's there's a door. There's a sin offering. And it waits for you. It waits for you. If you have the spirit of Cain, there's hope for you. If you're an Abel and and you've been murdered repeatedly and you're just beat down because of it, there's hope for you. There's a sin offering that waits. Go ahead, Russ. Come. Come. Come and and seek God. Come to this altar. Ask Him to show you. Am I in offense? Have I been an offender? God, I got to be able to see in the Spirit past the natural. Because these people are mean. And they're hateful. And they're nasty. And they're bitter. And they're angry. And it's going to make me turn to hatred. If you do not give me eyes to see in the Spirit. God, I got to see them. Because if I look at their, their actions, if I look at their behaviors, if I look at their words, I'm offended. I'm mad. I'm angry. But God, if I can look past that and I can see the spirit behind them that's controlling them, then I can feel sorry for them. Then I can pray for them. Then I can see the bondages that they're in. Oh God, I've been caned so many times. Oh God. I've missed it so many times. But God, you provided a way of escape. You provided a sin offering. God, if I'm going to make it in this new year, I got to have eyes to see past the natural. I got to see eyes to see in the spirit. Oh God, I'm going to fall for it. I'm going to be offended. 
I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to betray the very ones that you set before me to help me. The very ones that you set before me to lead me to you, I'm going to betray unless you give me the ability to see God past the fruit of their actions. Help us, Lord. 